Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new episode of our e-commerce podcast and today let me introduce uh, Carlo Ferraris uh, who is the co-founder at uh, Rolling Square and Rolling Square is a uh, Swiss company and uh, they stand for minimalistic electronic uh, devices and helping our daily lives with these uh, with devices and tools as you will see. And in the past almost one decade, they launched multiple products and co-founding uh, campaigns. And actually, that's how uh, I met them first. I saw their uh, fresh project on Indiegogo. So we will discuss these and the whole journey of the company. Hey, Carlo, it's good to have you here. Hey, how good to be here. Uh, very good. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for the introduction. So if anyone goes to your website uh, and you, you go to the about... You, they can see that uh, you launched around uh, 2014. And uh, since then, you launched multiple products. I think it seemed to be like a separate project. Uh, but you will tell us more. So what was the initial idea back almost 10 years ago? And how many founders do you have? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, I actually started working uh, for myself uh, a very long time ago. Uh, when uh, I did an exchange year uh, in high school, it was the fourth year of high school. I was in in America for a year, and uh, school is is quite easy in America compared to Europe. So I had a lot mm-hmm. of free time, and um, I started working on some some website. I actually made a, an e-commerce uh, for the Italian market that was basically a copy of an e-commerce that was very successful in America, but it didn't go really well. I just learned how to to do an e-commerce. And then when I came back to, to Italy, I started, uh, I kept doing the same thing. So working on, on websites and as it turns out, my brother who is, uh, six years, uh, older than me was actually doing the same for some other projects of, of his own. And so at some point we started, we said, you know, let's work together. Of course it makes, it makes sense. Right. And so we did some, um, some websites that were, uh, kind of like web apps that worked within this uh, kick messenger which is like a whatsapp that was in america a while back now i think it, it failed but it had a lot of users and so our apps had a lot of users and so um it actually went really well uh, those those web apps but they weren't very exciting because we didn't make anything that new or that unique to us and so at some point, my brother came to me with this uh, product idea, uh, the first uh, actual physical product that we ever made that was the InCharge, uh, the very small InCharge. Um, now we call it InCharge Classic. At the time, it was, it was just called InCharge, which is basically uh, a keyring cable, a very, very short cable, like uh, maybe like five centimeters short, and it, it stays on the keychain. So whenever you're around and you need a cable to charge your phone, you, you always have it with you and it's uh, 
so tiny it doesn't take up uh, any space uh, in your pockets. So we launched this campaign on uh, Indiegogo because at the time Kickstarter wasn't available in Europe. It was only available in the US and UK, I think. And so we launched it on Indiegogo and it went very, very well. And so that's that's why we decided to keep going on uh, with uh, hardware products and keep developing uh, the company from there. Hmm. So why this product was your first idea? Um, there are so many niches, right? And uh, I don't know if it was before dropshipping. Probably it was when... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back like in 2014, 13. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot, a lot, a long time before dropshipping. It wasn't like we we chose the product and said like this. We weren't looking for some ways of starting a business because we already had one. So it's just that uh, it's a trait of my brother is to always like build stuff and make new things, and it's something that I also have. It's, you know, I think it's a family thing, and. Um, and so he just came up with it for himself because he had a need for a for a very short cable, and so he came up with it. And then we we thought, you know, this is actually very useful. We we should try and uh, and sell it to people. Obviously, we had to uh, design it a lot better because all all he did for the prototype was take a a longer Apple cable, just cut it, and make it yeah. very short. But yeah. then we we found a factory and actually went through the product development process. And uh, so it was. It it started from uh, from a need, basically, a need of uh, yeah. of having a cable with uh, with us all the time. And then I guess at that time you didn't have the funds to manufacture the product, or why did you decide to go to Indiegogo? No, we we actually did have the funds because the the web apps w- were working very well with like Google advertising, mm-hmm. so we could have run a production of the product, but then. We would have we wouldn't have uh, been able to do anything with it because uh, we didn't have this like the customers right so we could have manufactured yeah. maybe like twenty thousand units and then we would have uh, kept them in the garage so we had yeah. to to find a way to to create some uh, some demand for the product to introduce the, the product on the market without spending so much on advertising uh, and uh, trying to to build a following that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> when did you launch the Indiegogo uh, campaign in, in 2014 or earlier? Yeah. Yeah. No, this was a very, very long time ago. It was, it was uh, in, the end of, in the end of 2014, maybe early 2015. Yeah. And then uh, you could raise around half a million dollars from uh, 30,000 yeah. backers. That's what I can see on the website. Yeah. And, uh, and then In Charge Bolt came out the next year, 2015, right? That was your second product, I guess. Yeah. So uh, at the time, we were like still trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We didn't have the Rolling Square brand yet. At the time, we just had the product name, which was InCharge. And then uh, basically, what happened with InCharge Bolt is that uh, a, a German company decided to copy, to make an exact copy of InCharge and try to sell it on Kickstarter. And so we didn't want them to take that market from us with our idea. So we designed InCharge Bolt, which was a slight improvement over InCharge, but nothing crazy. You know, it's like a an iPhone 5 and an iPhone 5S. You know, it's that thing that you have yeah. to make, but uh, it's not really too satisfying as a product. But then we yeah. launched that one on Kickstarter just to make sure that they didn't, um, you know, take so much market share from us. Yeah. 
and then I can see that uh, three years for three years you didn't come out to the new product and then 2018 in charge universal which is probably a similar product and then yeah 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 exactly so for those two years uh i think at the time like my brother was working in a company maybe yeah i i never worked anywhere else uh mm-hmm. i was in a university at the time and so i was doing half university half working on on the project uh and i think he was doing like half his regular job as an engineer somewhere and half working on the project and then when we decided to actually you know work seriously on it it was 20 at the end of 2017 i think and that's when we launched uh shortly after we launched in charge universal which which was uh an improvement over in charge because it had uh, basically all the connections needed at the time, which wasn't just so one cable for lightning, one cable for micro USB, mm-hmm. and that was it, it because there was a USB C in 2015. But in 2018, we made one cable that had lightning, micro, and USB C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, if you want to stay at the same product line, in charge six came out, in charge X, so. In charge XL is coming soon. That's what I can no. See. I, actually, it, it already came out. It's just that the the about us page is not uh, is not up to date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amazing. And also, you launched the hyphen, which collected almost two million dollars. So you, which is an ear earplugs, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Earphones. So earbuds. Yeah. yeah. At the time, uh, there were very few good earbuds on the market. Uh, and so we we actually spent a lot of time designing the first hyphen model, which was really a very very good product, especially with uh, compared to what was already on the market. And uh, it was also uh, it was also the the very first uh, the very first model of earbuds to have wireless charging integrated in the case. Mm. This was even like. Uh, a couple of months before Apple came out with their uh, wireless charged uh, earbuds. Okay. So on paper, it was a very, very good product. And uh, uh, a lot of customers received a very good product. But at some point during production, uh, the our manufacturer at the time tried to uh, save on components and uh, started delivering very bad products. And so it was actually not a good experience uh, for some reasons because uh, after that happened we had to spend a lot of time um obviously uh, recalling the units and sending new uh, you know replacements to all the trying to understand who got which product and send replacements mm-hmm. and so um that was bad but uh the product itself and the development was great and we learned a lot from it and when we launched hyphen 2 the second model uh, a couple of years later um, mm-hmm. It was such a good, such a much better product that, uh, um, you know, we still have customers today that they're still using them and they're very, very um, faithful to, to the brand. Yeah, amazing. So you mentioned that your brother worked at the company um, and you were at the university. And nowadays, how does it look like? You b- both work in the business or what's the current setup? Yeah, yeah. So we are still both co-founders, and uh, we have a, a a team that's uh, growing, and um, it's a it's a much more uh, a company that it was a long time ago. A long time ago, it was just uh, <laughs> very random. 
Yeah. Yeah, amazing. How many products do you have at the moment? Oh, we have a lot because on the website we have maybe like 10 or 11 product lines, uh, but actually uh, we don't just sell online, but we also sell through retail stores in many parts of the world, in mm -hmm. many countries in the world. And so we, we actually, through retail stores, we have pretty much any accessories that you can think of. We, we make it, we make at least, at least one version of it. We mm -hmm. just, yeah. so we try to keep like for our um, D2C side of things, we, we mainly sell for now, we mainly sell the products that uh, are very different from what's already on the market. So for example, the in charge line or, the hyphen line, which are very different from other products. Um, but then we have this, these products that we call the essentials, which are the ones that we sell in stores. And mm -hmm. those are very simple from like a, a functionality point of view, but uh, they are, uh, uh, they, they keep obviously our standards for design and quality. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you do a lot of things like uh, you have a D2C side and then uh, you have the retailers you launch Indiegogo Kickstarter campaigns and you take care of product development, marketing. I'm really curious now, how big is the whole team? So we are about uh, about 10 people in the office, like physically mm -hmm. in the office. And then there is maybe another six people uh, around, you know, remotely. And then um, we're, actually, we're, we're actually planning on hiring seven more people in the next three months. Okay. And yourself and your brother, what, what are your main roles? Like, do you have a, do you have an area where you, you know, you, you spend more time maybe on product development, maybe on marketing, something else? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I guess we do a lot of things. Uh, we, we, we discuss a lot of things together, uh, especially, you know, the important strategies. Uh, and then there are definitely some areas that are more mine and some that are more his, for example, I focus a lot more on the e-commerce and on the Amazon side of things. And he focuses a lot more on uh, uh, B2B sales. So the distribution and uh, um, make sure that uh, everything works in logistics, uh, which is uh, extremely complicated at some point. Um, but apart from that, when it comes to product development, uh, which is the thing that uh, our team does best, and it's the thing that uh, we also enjoy doing most. We, we, it's always a brainstorming of me, him, and the rest of the team. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so let's talk about the marketing side of things. So I can see this on the website too. People or companies, they can become a reseller. And I think your niche, your industry, electronics, it's a very difficult business to do because uh, I know there is a price war between you know many companies the big companies and how can you really stand out in this niche and also convince businesses to sell your product in their store it's actually it's actually not that hard because well a lot of there are a lot of companies in the niche and what mm -hmm. they do is make the exact same products at, yeah. with a different logo on them and then just try to sell them. And if they have good relationships with the, or good deals with the retailers, they know that they will buy them and that's it, you know, but they don't really, at least most of them, I'm not saying, I'm not saying all of them. There are a few that stand out that are very good brands, but uh, mm -hmm. most of them don't really add any specific value because developing a new product is something that is very risky. 
you have the risk that the market won't like it. You have a technical risk, which is especially important with uh, tech products, of course. And so what companies do is they become, usually what happens is that they become famous through a very good product development initially. And then once they get to the, that position of being famous, they just stop the, uh, innovating. You know, they just, they're fine with it because they have their distribution network. They have the money flowing mm -hmm. in. They don't really need to innovate at all. Um, and that's not what we do. We actually, that's why we still do Kickstarters and, and we still do product launches so many years later is because we, we always uh, try to bring something new to the market. So um, if you're familiar with, with what, what's on the market for tech accessories, you'll know that, uh, you, or you'll notice that uh, uh, most of the products that uh, you see from our line are very unique to us. And uh, if you want to get something that uh, is pretty much like the same product, it's almost impossible. You, you, you can find something somewhat similar, but it's, it's not so easy, at least for the products that we, uh, you know, the ones that are like our best sellers. And then, as I said earlier, we also have a line that is like, very basic and and all that and it, it has just our design and quality and our logo on it but it's not special from a functionality point of view a lot mm. of the times when we when we introduce a product like our curing cable our universal curing cable or our universal curing power bank those kind of products are obviously um, they address a little bit of a smaller market right but they're very unique and when we launch them what happens often is that a bunch of companies uh, try to copy them and come up with competitors. So it's actually pretty fun when you when you launch a product and you end up creating a, as a niche. You know, it's a small niche, but you still end up creating a niche. It really reminds me to car manufacturers where it's so rare to see an innovation. And I think yeah. many people, they say that's why Tesla really stands out. Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast and if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. Yeah, that's interesting to hear what you said. So companies, they don't focus that much on product development. Many, many electronic companies, right? They just save money Not on so it. much. They don't want to risk things. It's very risky. So if uh, a big company introduces a new technology, like uh, we can make the example of Apple comes out with MagSafe on the back of the iPhone, mm -hmm. then obviously you're, if you're uh, an accessories manufacturer, you're going to make uh, accessories that work with MagSafe, right? But you're not yeah. going to go too far off a regular case or a regular charger. Maybe you, you, you make a regular charger and then you make it in, in wood or whatever. You make it in a nice color that nobody has. And that's enough for you. If you already have a big network of uh, retailers or a big uh, community of customers, that's enough. And you don't risk anything. All you, all you do is you buy a very simple product, change the color. People like it and they buy it from you. You get the money. You don't risk anything and everybody's safe, you know. If yeah. you had to develop something a lot more complex, like our mm -hmm. latest uh, product that we launched on Kickstarter, it's called Edge Pro, which is like a modular working station setup. It's uh, composed of many different components. There is magnets. There is a bunch of different forces that come into play. It's like when we developed it, it was almost like, you know, a physics project and not so much like a technical project. Mm -hmm. And so... When you do something like this, it, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of money. 
and uh, you see, you still risk because maybe you you introduce it to the market and then people are like i don't like it or i don't i don't understand how it works you know um yeah. so most companies don't don't go that uh, that route yeah 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 do you track uh, any success rate with the products like and I, i'm sure you have some kpis like we want to raise this amount we want to sell this amount but do you do you you know say that this was not successful this was successful and then let's say every five not successful product has one successful one or anything like that no it's a good question so um it's not so easy because the products are quite unique most of the times at least when we do a launch um so it's not so easy to make a good approximation of what, of what success would mean for that specific product uh but we definitely do we try to calculate you know how many people we expect during the launch what kind of money we expect to raise um and uh, and all of that uh we're very lucky because we built uh, a community uh of uh we we call we call us like tech minimalists um mm. which is people that really like technology but not in a way that it gets you know in the way of daily life but it just makes it easy so it's a very minimal use of technology just to we like products that are you know functional they have a good design and they just make our life easier uh and so this community uh i think it was uh we were lucky to to be able to build it because uh people that come from the crowdfunding space usually like to be uh in a community you know they like to feel like they're in a community and so uh it's 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 amazing because you get all these people that uh, have needs and they have similar needs to each other and so they they start discussing with each other they start discussing with us we have a very open a uh, line of communication with our community if anybody of our customers wants to speak directly to us even like directly to me or my brother we have like a telegram group and we all talk to each other um mm. and that's that's how a lot of the times we get very good advice on how to improve our products or which area we should think about for developing a new product and so when the ideas come to the actual comes from the actual end customer uh the risk of uh, of failing is a lot smaller yeah definitely because you get the feedback back and forth and uh i talked to a few companies uh, on indiegogo kickstarter and it was always the bottom line that it's not just for the money and many times it's not about the money of course it's good if you you know uh collect some money but also it's about the feedback and building a community and yeah, uh, it's absolutely really speeds up the product development cycles yeah yeah it does the feedback of customers is amazing and in uh, it also uh teaches us uh it taught us over the years uh that uh you know it's important to communicate as well as possible with the community and uh it's not it's not easy at all especially when you're developing a new product and uh uh something comes up during production all the time you know you can you can say yeah. okay an optimistic delivery date is january so let's put like march or april and then even then you might get like a a delay and deliver in may or june you know and obviously people uh, understandably they they want their product and a lot of the times they're really angry and but that uh you know as long as you communicate uh as clearly as possible and as transparently as possible 
um, customers understand where you're coming from, you know, and uh, it's also very good that over the years we've, we've built uh, a good reputation, you know, of always delivering the products, always standing by the products, you know, if there is anything, um, any fault or anything, our customer support is uh, is always there to, to reply to the customers. And so uh, it's become a lot less uh, stressful. But I remember like the very first campaign when we were just, you know, kids, I was maybe 18 and uh, we had like tens of thousands of people waiting for the, their products and going crazy and emailing us, you know, the strangest things. Um, it, was, uh, it was quite interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you learned a lot at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what other channels do you use to get uh, customers? So crowdfunding and then retailers, you even mentioned Amazon, you have your own store. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you so, ads, SEO, all of these as well? Yeah, we do. We do pretty much everything at this point. Uh, we have our e-commerce, we run ads uh, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Google, you know, all the places where you run ads for a, a Shopify store. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, our Amazon stores uh, for Europe and the US, um, which we actually started focusing on uh, less than a year ago. So it was actually mm-hmm. a bad choice not to focus on them earlier because Amazon is a very good source of revenue, especially when there is organic demand for the products. Yeah. Um, but uh, up until then, we we gave them to some resellers. Uh, we gave our products to the resellers, and they would uh, take care of uh, our Amazon accounts. But uh, well, since we took them in our hands, we were able to optimize them a lot better and make sure that uh, logistics is a lot better. And so that's been growing a lot as well. So we have mm-hmm. the Shopify, we have the Amazon US EU, and then uh, we have the crowdfunding campaigns that we do every time we launch uh, a new a new product if it's innovative enough because if we're just launching you know a standard wireless charger we're not going to do a campaign for it um yeah. and then we have uh, our distributors uh so they're in a bunch of different countries and we keep you know expanding uh, our network of distributors. We go to, to trade shows like uh, IFA or CES uh, in America, uh, and uh, we present our products. People really like them because, as I said, even though it's technology, it's not so easy to find something really new. Um, most of the products are copies of the other products. And so it's uh, very interesting to have these conversations with the distributors and retailers uh, who see the products and they're like, oh, finally, you know, there is something that I haven't seen before. Um, and that's how we are expanding our distribution network. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this tricky question because some guys, they say that uh, it's better to focus on one channel to a very high revenue and then you can add more channels. Um, and it can be either ads or, or crowdfunding or distributors, but you already do a lot of channels, like five, six different channels. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure some guys or even listeners, they would think that maybe it would be better to focus only on one and double down on that with all resources. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, they might be right for, for some businesses. I'm not sure. I think uh, for us, what we do is that uh, we have all these uh, channels that are active and then we have uh, someone that is in charge of a channel. So, for mm-hmm. example, I am in charge of e-commerce uh, 
and I oversee the Amazon side, but I'm not like really pushing the Amazon so much. There is, uh, mm-hmm. we work with uh, agencies that take care of Amazon. Um, and then for example, for the distributors, it's my brother who oversees it. So that way we're actually able to uh, push the channels that we want. I, I, I'm pushing the e-commerce channel personally, and that's the one I'm focusing on vertically. Um, but it doesn't make sense to keep the rest off. You know, I was mm-hmm. of the same idea initially. Mm-hmm. And then I saw like uh, just just setting up the Amazon accounts uh, brought in almost like 50% or 60% of the revenue of the e-commerce, which just turning them, turning them on, you know, not even like doing advertising mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it makes sense to start from having, in my opinion, to having them all active and then focusing on one until you grow that one. And then you can go on to the next one. But if it was already active, you have a lot of data to start from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I'm in a very different uh, industry with my marketing agency. But that's what I can see as well in my industry, that uh, it's better to have multiple legs, sometimes even five, six, and uh, you can do all of them. And you don't have to be a pro in each, maybe mm-hmm. one or two. And the others, you just set those up. For example, we have some SEO traffic and and clients from there. And uh, we don't do much SEO, actually. It just works. Mm -hmm. People just search for it. So, yeah. Yeah, better to have, like, a very baseline uh, setup than have Mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I have only two more questions to you. So what do you think, what's the key of successful crowdfunding campaigns? Because you did it multiple times. And uh, yeah, I'm just curious, what would you say? So first you need to have a product that is, that stands out from what's already out there. You know, people need to see the product and see and and think, you know, this is something that I haven't seen before. This this isn't something that I can just go on Amazon and and get something similar. Uh, that's the main thing. And then you have to be, oftentimes when you when you have a product like this, it's not easy to explain because it's a unique product. So then you have to focus really, really a lot on explaining the product in the most obvious way, you know, because you, maybe you have developed the product for a few months or maybe even years and you know it so much that it seems obvious to you. But yeah. then you show it to someone that has never seen it and they, they have no idea, you know. So you have to try to think, maybe even, you know, talk with a lot of people that have never seen it and and show them the product and uh, try to explain it as clearly as possible. Um, and then obviously at that point, what, what does everything, once you have these two things, what does everything is being able to build a community. So you can do it if you already have one, like we do, it's the best of course, because you can start from, from something that you already have. If you don't have one, you have to build it with, uh, there are countless ways, you know, word of mouth, if you don't want to spend so much and then you can uh, start running ads, you can go on uh, platforms like uh, Product Hunt, you know, as long as the product is good and this explanation is good, um, there is a little bit of meritocracy there, you know. Uh, Kickstarter will push your product if it has a, a good, uh, you know, appeal on people, if it's new, if it's well presented. Um, and then obviously, if you do have money to invest in advertising, it's very impor- important to do that too, if you don't have a community to where, where you can start from. Yeah, yeah, those are great tips. And uh, yeah, I, 
I agree. And every time you did it yourself, so you never hired an agency for crowdfunding? Because I know companies, they do it. They hire agencies for that. No, no, we we never hired an agency for crowdfunding. We only hired for uh, the advertise, the paid advertising side of mm-hmm. things. We hired yeah. for that. But like the whole campaign, like the video, the pictures, the explanation, everything we, we did. It, I think it's one of the things that we do best, you know, since we started mm-hmm. so long ago and we ran so many campaigns. Yeah. I don't think an agency would would could do a lot better, at least on that side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So my last uh, question to you, what are your favorite tools and so- especially software tools, marketing tools that you use nowadays, maybe even for crowdfunding campaign? I'm one of those people that uses Excel uh, for, okay. for literally anything. Uh, but then uh, for marketing, I use Triple Whale. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of it. Yeah. Um, mainly for yeah mainly for reporting not for the pixel part uh, because when we tested the pixel it wasn't working so well so we use a, a different pixel but uh, reporting is great um and then there is a similar tool that uh, i'm starting to get familiar with which is called data hawk which does the same mm-hmm. thing but for amazon and uh, other marketplaces like walmart um and then of course i'm in love with uh, with gpt4 I use GPT-4 yeah. every second of the day, ever since yeah. it came out. Um, and yeah, I think those are the tools that I'm using most uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, GPT-4 is amazing. However, I think today it didn't really work, at least for me. I Yeah, it, it didn't work for me either. It was like very limited. It doesn't show yeah. my history, which is very useful for me. The history <laughs> is like yeah, very important. Yeah. Yeah, so um, thanks a lot, uh, Carlo, to share your story and uh, the Rolling Square story today. And uh, thanks everyone. Yeah, who thank you. Thanks everyone who listened to us as well. And uh, if you want to buy one of their products or maybe partner up with them and sell their products, go to their website, rollingsquare.com. We will put the link into the description. And also stay tuned. Every week we come out with a new episode in the podcast. And uh, finally, I also put a link into the description, which uh, takes you to a uh, email marketing checklist. You can go there and download it. You can audit your own email marketing with it. So thanks a lot, everyone, and uh, have a great day. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel, thank you, everybody.